G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. We've just come off a two-match series. We drew the first one, and then we got an absolute hiding in the second match, going down by 372 runs. Ajaz Patel, history-making. History-making, bowling innings, 10 wickets in an innings. Only three have ever done it. Jim Laker, Arnal Kumble, and now Ajaz Patel. So obviously that will be a big part of this match, but we want to delve a little bit deeper, and we want to hear from you at home. So give us a text on double eight double three or call us on the Keno Tire phone line with your thoughts. Right now we're going to get Baz's thoughts, but I want to hear from Tom Latham, the captain, and hear his wee chat that he spoke about post-match. Uh, no, I think it's one of those things uh, in cricket um, where uh, everything you do you sort of doesn't tend to work, and um, it's, I think it's just one of those days uh, that happens in cricket, and, and we've done that to teams uh, at different times around the world, but unfortunately it was it was our time, um, and, and yeah, things didn't quite unfold uh, the, the way we would have wanted. So, um, but I guess from our point of view, you, you ought to take a lot of learnings from it, and. And I think the way that we were able to come out in the second innings and, and guys sort of change their game plans a little bit and, and put a little bit more pressure on the bowlers. Um, as, as we know here in India, uh, the, the longer you go um, throughout the match, the, the harder it gets to bat. So, uh, yeah, it was just one of, those, one of those games, unfortunately, where we couldn't quite get the right result. From our point of view, um, something that we always talk about is the character and, um, and the effort that this group can put in. Um, obviously, when you get bowled out for, for 60 uh, in your first innings, it obviously puts you behind the eight ball. But uh, something that we talked about was was the character of the group and and trying to have a presence and um, and, and try to put in as much effort as you can. And, and I think we've certainly done that over the last over the last four days. Um, you know, take the take the first innings out of it, then uh, and obviously a little bit of a different story. And um, you know, certainly something that I can't fault uh, from this group at all. Mm. Mm. I don't know about that. Is mm. <laughs> like, I know what I know so what Tom's he... trying to do. He's trying to protect. He's trying to protect his players and and protect his boys. Yep. And I completely completely get that. But look, th- this is where I have a bit of an issue with with some of like press conferences at times because I mean you could literally just release that. Like you could just put a, a written message out there and just and release that. To me, it doesn't actually hit any of the points. Like. I look at this series as a massive lost opportunity, and I didn't expect New Zealand to win the series at all. Um, it is the hardest place in the world to go at the moment, to go to India and try and compete on those spinning wickets against what's now the number one team in the world, and in India is always going to be a monumental task. But that makes yep. the final day of the first test match, where New Zealand actually got themselves in a position where they could challenge, could threaten, could potentially achieve something, so significant as a test win uh, in India in those conditions and they didn't take it on and now that to me looks like a, a huge missed opportunity and I just wonder how much of a psychological impact that day had on this last test match I think I look at this test match and, and I know Tom Latham what he's trying to say there, he's saying well uh, we take 
take out our 62 in the first innings and, it, and we fought hard. Well, to be fair, Tommy, I'm not sure he did because he got bowled out for 167 no. in the second innings. They declared in their second innings 270. And if it wasn't for AJS Patel, then you would have lost by a whole lot more. It's the, it's the biggest loss ever in for New Zealand and the biggest win ever for India. So if, if we just run through some pretty simple numbers as well, like Tom oh, Henry Nichols, his series consisted of scores of 1, 2, 7, and 44. Ross Taylor's series consisted of scores of 1, 2, 6, and 11. Tom Blundell, mm. in his first role as full-time keeper taking over from BJ Watling, we knew Watling was going to be a big loss, but his numbers, scores were 0, 2, 8, and 13. Now, there's three of your top seven, and they just haven't contributed anything, really. And then you take mm. out the fact that Kane Williamson has been injured in that second innings, which is a real concern for the team moving forward, that if he's going to have to be in and out based on his injury until that gets rectified, it may need surgery, I don't know. Um, and, and that makes it... A, and you've got, obviously, Devin Conway wasn't there. He would have been a first a starter for sure. Um, Daryl Mitchell came in, actually did all right. They got 60 in the second innings and showed a bit of character, mm. and he was probably the most underprepared of that entire side for that um, for that particular role that he operated, batting at number three in the test match. So I look at that, and I think there's some real concerns there. The non-selection of Wagner is a real concern because I think he adds that real spine, that real backbone, and what we were lacking was yeah. a little bit of spine, a little bit of backbone. Um, Ruchin Ravindra was very good, I thought, in, in his series to me. He... He was quite impressive with both bat and ball, showed some fighting characteristics, yeah. had the ability to take some wickets, and and walks away from this tour with with a tick in the column, I think. Tom Latham was okay. Um, AJ's Patel was clearly a standout. Uh, his performance mm. is, is one which will go down um, in the history books and we'll all talk about in, in decades to come. Tim Southey, Kyle Jamieson in that first test were very, very good, gave New Zealand an opportunity to potentially win a test match. Um, but gee, outside of that, there's some there's some pretty poor performances. Will Sumble didn't take a wicket at all. We talk about these extremely difficult batting conditions to face spinning, and one of our frontline spinners didn't get a single wicket. So, look, there's some guys who who did okay on that series. Some some guys who um, put their hand up and said that I'm here to stay. Um, some senior yeah. players who did well. Some younger guys who did well. And then there's some guys who well, we just didn't really fire a shot. So. Look, what the other thing I, I didn't really like is we talk about, um, Tom also talked about, you know, there's a lot of development here. There's a lot of um, guys who are going to take a lot of learnings out of this. This is a tough place to come. We're going to learn about that, and next time we'll be better in these conditions. Well, there's a lot of experienced players who have been in India a lot, who have been in the subcontinent mm. a lot, and they didn't, they weren't able to perform. So, look, I'm not saying it's easy. It's a bloody difficult place to go to. Um, yeah, but it just makes that that day, the fifth day in that first test match, even more disappointing when when we could have maybe achieved something special when we went for the safe option. And then what happens when you go for the safe option? Well, the cricket gods they don't like that, and they don't shine well, on that, and that, they say, you know what, that, you're going to get met next time. Yeah, I got a real understanding last week, um, especially on the text line, that we were quite happy. With the draw, you know, that was a it summed up the result, and then and and then 
now I get a feeling it was definitely a missed opportunity. And sport is like that. You're only going to get one opportunity, maybe two, to, to take the win or to, or to, to, to make a, a leeway towards heading towards a victory. And that's what sport does. And um, so that was, for me, I think that was definitely a missed opportunity. And then secondly, we, we talk about the conditions all the time, and you spoke about it. The guys have been over there a long time. They know what to expect. So for me, there's, there's no real surprises. Like we know... Well, I think the Black Caps know what's coming. They know they're going to go to a spin wicket, a wicket that spins a lot, that's very unpredictable. That adds, you know, it's it's in towards the end of the five days, it's going to break up and it's going to be tough to bat. So there's no real surprises. So for the Black Caps or, or for p- potential tour teams that's going to head over, how do we overcome that, Bears? So we don't get to this point where we're learnings you know trudy's favorite word learnings yes we should have learned that years ago we should know that we're going over there and and we're learning uh what what's expected there's no surprises so how do we overcome that so when we go to india we can actually walk towards that challenge and actually put some pressure on india in their own background because that was the questions that was posed after wtc yes the black caps are good at home they are good in, in england but when they go to india they struggle, and most teams struggle. And you said it's very, very difficult. But how do we overcome that so it's not a barrier, a burden on the black cap side? Well, I guess the thing is, is I reckon they did. They overcame, overcame it in the first test match. They actually played a flawless game of cricket against the odds. They lost the toss. Um, it was yep. heavily weighted in India's favour. Tim Southey bowled a spell mm. which was just insanely good in those conditions. Cole Jameson backed him up. And then they were able to apply some pressure with bat in hand. They were able to get themselves in a situation where they needed 280 on the final day with nine wickets. Now, yeah. you walk into the yeah. fifth day of a test match with all three results possible. When opportunity knocks, you better be ready to take it, okay? Because if you don't, someone else will. And I think the message that it sent, and, and hey, I sat here and I said, oh, it's not too bad, it's good, you know, it's fighting draw, yeah. it's really good. Hey, we'll try and win this on the 10th day of the test, of the test series. But in a funny old way, you know, like you, you give an inch and, and teams will take a mile, especially in those conditions. And I think it sent a, a submissive message to the Indian side that we actually don't mm. think we can beat you. We think we can compete with you if given the right, you know, for a period of time. But when if you really turn the screws on us in your conditions, you're probably going to beat us. And you know what, like, I appreciate what Tom... Tom's trying to do, and, and that's what you do as a leader. You try and protect mm. all those around you, but yeah. just come out and say we weren't good enough. We had some key players who have been here many times, and we didn't step up and we didn't perform, and that's something we've all got to handle. Rather so than is sort it, of saying, is it a mental? Know, hard, is it more of a that. mental? Is it more of a mental challenge? Well, I will say one thing: we, we need to overcome. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I, I guess there's a couple of aspects to it as well. Is one of them is that. The boys didn't have a whole lot of preparation leading into it. Gone are the yeah. days where you go to, a, go to a place like India and you play three or four warm-up games, four-day games, in uh, on the tour, and then you know you get used to those conditions and and you and you're able to adapt quickly. You don't have those those luxuries anymore because of the calendar. It's just there's too much mm. cricket and and that's just how it works. And I guess the other thing what I would say is, when India come to New Zealand, we do the same thing is what yeah. they do to yeah. us in those conditions. So we're both very dominant in our own conditions, and there's both 
um, black marks on our records traveling against one another. And, and maybe that's because they're very good. Both of them are very, very good cricket teams and, and they understand their conditions. But I just keep going back. And I could hear it in Smitty's voice last week when he was talking about this game, that first test. Mm. You could just hear the sense that we have missed the trick. And that's why I go back to, I, don't, I almost don't care that they got beaten in this game because that can happen sometimes when you go to India. Put your hand up, say we weren't good enough, they were too good for us. Some of our big players didn't get the job done. But that first game, that first test, mm. gee, I would love to have seen us have a go. Try and take it on, you know, mm. try and achieve something special. The part of the New Zealand, Bla- part of the Black Caps pledge, and we sing after each win, we sing, gather ye rosebuds while you may, old time is still a flying on a separate day, we'll day we'll keep our flag flying. Loyalty to our performance and to our mates will etch into history significant dates. They had an opportunity to etch into history significant dates. And we took the safe option. And that that was disappointing. So now we're going to have to wait yeah. for another opportunity in time. So let us know your thoughts anyway. Double eight, double three. What do you think of the Black Caps tour of India? Was the first test match a missed opportunity? Um, or is it just a really difficult place to play? And the result was totally predictable. and uh, And we can just... Turn the page, get the boys back home, and now we focus on our own summer. Let us know what you think, or even better, give us a call on the Kennard Tire phone line 0800 We're going to keep moving on as well as I'm sure we'll keep reverting back to this after the break as well. Love your thoughts on it as well. You've got a good cricket brain, is Love your cricket brain. <laughs> so we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep chatting about that um, very soon. Uh, but for now, we are going to head off for a quick break. A big thanks to... Chemist Warehouse, great savings every day. Now it's time to talk some Formula One. Formula One title race hit all new extremes of intensity yesterday morning with the penultimate race of the season ending in a controversial Hamilton victory. And Hamilton has now got past Verstappen. Lap 43 of this race, Hamilton now leads from Max Verstappen. It's Hamilton and Mercedes on top. It's Hamilton and Verstappen finishing 1-2 and sharing the top two places for the 13th time this season. Ooh, the race win has put him on equal points with Max Verstappen and making this weekend's race in Abu Dhabi a one-race shootout for the title glory. Chris, Chris Medlin is a leading Formula One journalist and broadcaster. He's currently in Saudi Arabia preparing to travel to Abu Dhabi. G'day, Chris. Morning, guys. How you doing? Oh, we're doing well, mate. We're doing well. How chaotic is this Formula One, mate? This is what dreams are made of. Heading to the final round. Max, uh, both both drivers on the same points heading into this, mate. What a, what a season. It's been incredible. I mean, you can't script it. We've had that happen once in F1 history where two drivers have been level on points going to the last race. And this is the longest season ever. So we've had 21 races so far and they haven't managed to separate them. So um, they're level to the actual half a point because we had like a, a shortened race earlier <laughs> in the season. Uh, it's just incredible. And every time you think you know what's going to happen, you kind of think you've worked out who's got the momentum or who looks like the favourite. Something totally different happens the next week. And it's made us all look stupid kind of working in the sport as pundits and uh, <laughs> journalists because every time we predict something, we're totally wrong. But uh, it's just been sensational. And the amount of times that Hamilton and Verstappen have gone like wheel to wheel raced each other had incidents oh. has been huge uh, mm. even in the past normally it'd be one driver dominates and then the other dominates a week later and and they don't actually race each other that much but this year they've been together on track so many times it's been incredible 
Tell us about this last race. There was so much controversy. You think, was it controversial? Do you think the, the ruler, the, the refs and, and the rulers were, were kind of leaning towards Lewis Hamilton? Or do you think it was, uh, you know, the right decision in the end, allowing him when Max Verstappen was ahead? And then the way Max Verstappen actually put on his brakes and made them come together again. Talk to us about that relationship. Is it a love-hate or they just absolutely hate each other? <laughs> it's probably close to absolutely hate each other um, but it's because they're fighting for the biggest prize in their sport and you've got one guy coming towards mm. the end of his career kind of uh, creating a legacy potentially going to win a world record eighth championship no one's done that in F1 before mm. and then you've got Max the young gun trying to get his first title so they're, they're very different points and it's basically um, kind of the leader being knocked off his perch in many ways but yeah the way it, it went yesterday it was uh, some pretty borderline stuff mainly from Verstappen at times but where the rules have kind of allowed him to do stuff. He kept doing it. And this time mm. he got penalised, which annoyed him. And I'd say fairly annoyed him because he was just doing what he's done before and, and normally has been allowed to. Uh, but then, yeah, we had this weird break test situation where they were both playing a bit of cat and mouse about the timing that Verstappen was going to let Hamilton go past because he'd been told to let him go past. And uh, it meant that they ended up running into each other. And Verstappen was, in that case, rightly penalised because he hit his brakes on a straight and... You can't do that. Uh, it, it wasn't the world's biggest crash, but it's um, that's what they call it, erratic driving. And you just can't get away with doing something like that. You could cause a huge, huge accident. So, uh, yeah, if anything, it, it, Max may be a little bit lucky that with all the outcomes and the penalties he did get, he still finished second, which is exactly where he finished on the road. So it didn't cost him any points in the end uh, and just meant we are perfectly set up for them to go at it in Abu Dhabi, where Max could afford to be aggressive because if, if they both fail to finish, Max wins the title because he's won more races. So that's, again, why he could be aggressive yesterday. And, and we'll see that again, I think, next weekend. So, um, yeah, there should be more fireworks. Hey, Chris, I've actually just got back from Abu Dhabi as well. What a great spot. I've been to the Formula One in Abu Dhabi before and did not see a car. But what an event it is. Tell us a little bit about the uh, about the racetrack there at Abu Dhabi. Has it got any quirks or is it does it sort of play pretty pretty standard? Well, we're going to come back to why you didn't see a single car in a sec. But um, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the track's changed, actually. It's, it's, uh, it's a different layout this year. They've remodeled it. So they've kind of made it a bit faster, tried to create more overtaking opportunities, they say, but I actually think they've taken some away. So it's going to be a new test for everyone, which is another curveball. We can't really tell for sure who's going to be quickest there. Um, but it will come down mm. to the drivers that get it right quickest, that adapt more quickly, the teams that get their setups right which is what we saw again in the last race. It's a brand new circuit here in Jeddah and they all had to adapt quickly to that. So um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's been a full on test this year, like an absolutely massive challenge. So many races, so many different circuits, uh, the two drivers going at it all the way through. Whoever wins the championship will fully deserve it. But, but Abu Dhabi will be a, a great lo location for it. It's, it's all floodlit, it's around a marina. Um, yeah, it'll be pretty spectacular to watch. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'll give you a little insight as well. So I ended up going to the Formula One. I was with Owen Morgan, the English cricket captain. I was with him and a couple of the other English boys. And then afterwards, we ended up going to one of the yachts down uh, down the marina there, and Craig David was singing on the yacht. So I had a couple of quiet beers, listened to Craig David, and then found my way home. But when I say I didn't watch a car, I didn't watch a car, because they go so blooming quick, don't they? Like, live, they're so fast. And for and when you're sitting there sort of saying that um, the, the Stuffin is, is an aggressive driver... Like we're talking life or death here, aren't we? If he's like, there's, there's one thing being aggressive in other sports, but to be aggressive as a driver in, in Formula One, he, he's got to be slightly bonkers, doesn't he? 
<laughs> they all have to be to be fair like yeah they're racing at 200 mile an hour and they're inches apart at times and when they do come together it's it's pretty damn big um and yeah like you say especially when you're track side like a car coming past you at 200 mile an hour it's just basically a blur you hear it coming and if if you don't have a long view of it you're just going to just see this thing flash by and that's it so when they're doing that wheel to wheel it shows how careful they have to be with each other how much respect they have to have but also just how fine the limits would be if one driver just pushes a little bit harder breaks a bit later needs a little bit less space we're talking tiny tiny margins but the the impact of it going wrong is so big that that's why it annoys certain drivers if they feel someone's being too aggressive so um to be fair most of the time Verstappen has kept it within the rules on the clean enough side and kind of left it up to the other driver to make a decision about whether they crash or not and that's what some of the great champions have always done uh Hamilton has not needed to do that for a long time and has up to now for most of this year, kind of yielded when he needed to and just said, right, I'll live to fight another day. I'll get you later. I'll put you in a position where you can't do that to me. Uh, but they, they're going to come down to this final race and there is no next race after this one. You know, you can't kind of say, mm. I will live to fight another day. You've got to get it done this weekend. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be absolutely so intense. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it all comes to blows at some point. Well, nice. I can't wait to watch it. Can't wait to watch them go to battle. I'll have to watch the replay, though, because I'll be probably a little bit slow. But, um, mate, quickly before we let you go, Liam Lawson. I don't know if you know a young Kiwi driver. Liam Lawson racing in the F2. Um, you potentially, if you've heard of him, you think he's got a chance to maybe push forwards towards the, uh, F1 maybe one day? Give us a big up for our young champion driver here in New Zealand. No, absolutely. I know Liam pretty well, actually. I've done some work with uh, Formula 2. I host some of their press conferences and stuff. And um, yeah, he's, he was very impressive in F3 and then stepping up to F2 as a rookie. He had a really, really strong start. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think Liam's got uh, plenty of talent and he seems to be well, uh, well liked by the Red Bull Academy. So I think there's every chance mm. that if he can pull out a good season next year, next year's his crucial one. He needs to probably win the Formula 2 championship next year or at least put himself right in the fight. And if he can do that, uh, then there could be openings at the team that the junior team that Red Bull have in F1 uh, the year after that. So it's still in his hands and he's definitely in a good place for it. And yeah, I've seen plenty of good talent from Liam. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him getting a chance in F1 car at some stage. So, uh, and I'm not just saying that because yeah. I'm on New Zealand radio. Don't you worry. That's, that's a legit <laughs> Oh, we love you, Lauren. Honestly, mate. Thank you so much, Chris. We hopefully we can see. Liam Lawson, and if he's in the F1, mate, we'll be calling you every single week. Chris, you'll be a part of our show. <laughs> Thank you very much for calling us and, and being a part of the show, mate. Really appreciate it. Maybe we'll have a wee chat to you next week and see you the outcome. Who is the champion of the Formula One? Thanks very much, bud. Sounds good. Enjoy Cheers, Abu Dhabi. We'll do. I'll try and watch some cars. Great news. It's great news for rugby fans around the country as the great man has signed on for a big, big whack. I'm pretty sure we'll get the figures out of him very shortly, get an understanding of what he's getting paid. Bet you it'll be huge. Anyway, let's talk some rugby. Another large piece of the All Blacks puzzle has fallen into place this morning as Sammy Kane resigned, re-signed on the dotted line for four more years to see him through to 2025. He's a 77-test leader in the squad, and it was brilliant to see him back in action in the Northern Hemisphere. And he's on the line Right now, Sammy Kane. Good morning, brother. Congratulations on your re-signing, my mate. Morning, Dagger. How you going, brother? Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, what's the details, mate? Give us a little bonuses, <laughs> um, you know, figures. What are we? What are we talking, brother? Um, no, I didn't ask for too much, Dagger. I just uh, just asked for. 
half of what your media contact is. So, it's still a pretty decent wicket. <laughs> nah, awesome, mate. Hey, let's, let's talk about it, mate. It's great to see you back in the country after a big, strenuous tour, mate. How's it been back with family, Harriet? She's all good. How's how's everything going, brother? Yeah, good, thanks, bro. It's, um, yeah, obviously, the year didn't really pan out how I would have um, liked from the start of the season, given that early injury, but it was, it was really nice to, to get back um, in the All Blacks environment and get to pull on the jersey a couple of times at the end of the year. And then, um, yeah, we're back. We were lucky when we were away, they changed the MIQ rules to so the seven days in the hotel and, and three days at home compared to the two weeks yeah. it had been, so slightly less, and um, yeah, it's, it's good to be home, I think. Um, it was a different sort of tour, you know, with the COVID restrictions, but um, mm. particularly for those guys that have been in Aussie too, you know, me, Colsey and Whitelock and um, a couple others only joined them late, so um, yeah. yeah. Bit different, but tough on those fellas. Tell us about um, re-signing, mate. Congratulations, four years. You, you've signed on dollar line, and gives you a lot of stability heading toward the future. I know, um, you know you, your family will be happy knowing that they're staying in one place. But was it an easy decision in the end, mate? Was Was there any? I know there would have been a lot of chat coming from overseas, but was it an easy, easy decision in the end to sign here in New Zealand? Yeah, thanks, Jagger. Um, yeah, we're. We're, you know, myself, my family, my wife, Harriet, we're all, um, yeah, really stoked to be have, given the opportunity to stick around for four more years. And to tell you the truth, mate, it was pretty easy. Um, mm. um, I've still got a real drive to want to get better as a rugby player. Um, the semi-final loss um, at the World Cup stings, stings a bit still and, and really want to be part of a, another World Cup winning squad. So, um that and the stability and just feel like this is the best place in, in the world to be surrounded by sort of like-minded individuals and, and coaches that can help me become the, the best player I can. So that and, and look, we're pretty settled here in New Zealand at the moment and just went went ready to, to make that step and go overseas. So lots of reasons and uh, and, and really thankful that New Zealand rugby um, has given me the opportunity. Nice. Oh, Baz, we can't hear you. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. So Baz was trying to ask you a question, but he couldn't. He couldn't talk, so he was talking mutely. <laughs> but I'll try and um, wrangle his question for you. I was trying to read his lips, but um, the kitchen's just been switched off for some reason. Hey, brother, um, I'll tell you what's quickly, happened there. Quickly, uh, me oh, here he is. Off. Here he is. Oh, get a Sammy. Sorry, mate. Baz here. We had a couple of technical <laughs> problems, I guess, yeah, and all that chat around the, the size of. Oh, the size of Izzy's contract, maybe the, his mic was the only one that was, that was working. So anyway, mate, talk to us a little bit about um, the whole process of re-signing. Like, how, how did that go about? Do you sit down with NZ Rugby Union? Does, does your agent do it? How does, how does that unfold? Um, nah, nah, so I, I, don't, uh, I, I don't have any sit-downs in New Zealand Rugby Union myself. Um, but like you, you see a few of the guys around the traps, especially because I was um, involved a little bit with some of the silver lake discussions. So you, it's not like um, a stand by any means. It's about you know, sort of coming together and trying to find something that both parties are happy with. But um, Major Warren Alcock does um, a, a large amount of the work and sort of just relays where they're at. He's, um, he's pretty good at what he does. 
um, as, as we would know, I think. And mm. he was a look after you, is he? No, I had Simon Porter, but Wazza was there. Only Wazza only looks after the big, big cheeses like Richie, Dan, <laughs> Sam Kane. From the same party, they work together. So, um, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's a process that um, yeah, it's not done sort of overnight by any means. Back and forth for, for a few months, um, but yeah, like I said, just pretty grateful and, and stoked to have the opportunity to stick around for more years. The um, you know the certainty going forwards is really nice as well. And so, what about uh, what about the captaincy then, mate? Does that, that you know you just lock that one in for four years as well? <laughs> I don't know what, what cricket's <laughs> like, but um, no, it's not really like something that gets put in your put in your contract. Um, no guarantees, oh, so um, that'll be up to to Foz to see if I'm I'm up for the job. Um, just worry about trying to have a good Super Rugby season. Um, but there's a there's a little. Um, a little pay bonus if you ask for the skipper. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Here we go. That's what I was going to say. Did you not get the Karen Reed extra handy K uh, skip, you know, <laughs> skipper endorsement? Did you not get that one, bruh? <laughs> <laughs> you don't need it. Eh? It's already in there, mate. Hey, hey Cookie, sorry, <laughs> It's great to have you on. It's great to have you on, mate. It's great to see you back. Quickly, um, off-season, bro, I was, I was just saying before, obviously you've had your fair share of injuries and I'm pretty sure that this off-season will probably be a little bit different to, to past years and previous years. You're probably going to head back in and rip into a, a bit more of a pre-season heading towards next season. Um, you tell us what, what, what does off-season look for you and what are you hoping to, to do next season, brother? Yeah, spot on, Digger. Um, yeah, just the way the, the year panned out and um, want to hit next year running sort of in the... You always want to... Mm. Um, in the best shape you can, but normally there's that sort of balance between a mentally mentally refreshing um, and then getting the body going. But um, I'm mentally pretty good due to the, the lack of footy I played this year. So um, yeah, normally straight after the season you sort of give yourself you know that two or three weeks of doing your own training and making up as you go a little bit, just ticking over and then get into a program. But I've got a bit of a program running already, um, and I'll head back um, about two weeks early to, to pre-season with the Chiefs as well. So, yeah, looking right. forward to it. And how's the body, mate? How's, how's the neck? I know you've had your fair share of problems uh, with with the body. How's the body, mate? Uh, you, you're all recovered and, and there's no problems, no setbacks or no ongoing little little soreness from it? No, nah, mate. Um, yeah, and, and touch wood, um, you know, the neck's been outstanding. So, um, look, these surgeries, they technically, if the surgery's done well, these body parts should be stronger than they were to start with. So my shoulders, um, some of my strengths around, you know, bench press and, and overhead press, stuff like that, is still coming back. Um, and I think that'll take a while, but I don't think it really affects how I play, you know. You were, you were never the biggest bench presser, but you could still fend off the big boys. So, um, yeah, <laughs> body's good, body's good, bro. Run around them, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Never T <team> man. <laughs> <laughs> hey Sammy, we saw you uh saw you at the Crack a Million last year, mate. Is you a bit of a are you a bit of a horse fan? Are you into the into the horses or just Um No, I'm just uh Oh I I enjoy I enjoy the races and I enjoy um making a bit of money when I can. I don't enjoy losing it and I don't um probably put enough time and effort into it to 
um, for my own opinions, but I'm surrounded with the Chiefs by a few um, decent punters that are always throwing tips out. And um, but you know what it's like if you, you don't jump on them, they normally win. And when you do, they, they miss out. So it sort of just keeps you coming back. Um, but no, it's just a bit of fun. Just a bit of fun for me, nothing too serious. But the Cracker Million was um, one hell of a day. I'm surprised. Yeah, I hadn't done it earlier, so hopefully they'll get back up there again this year if um, the schedule works out. I didn't have, I didn't have you for a tight ass though. That's normally just the can tabs. I'm surprised that you that you don't like losing your money. Most white cattle have a lot of space in the cash. You know, any, you know anyone that does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Izzy's, Izzy's good at splashing uh, the cash. He's got plenty. Of cash. No, I'm, I'm good at I'm good at donating to the TAB. I'll tell you that. Oh, it. I'm with you. I've retired. I've retired from punting uh, semi game. If you haven't heard, there, there was a little bit going on. In, uh, there was a group chat of us in um, isolation because obviously seven days is a little bit, yeah, twiddling your thumbs. So there was plenty, plenty going on um, in isolation. Tips going. Do you win? Oh, tune into this show, donation. mate. You get paid. You get paid on this show, but <laughs> tune in. Tune in. We'll get you paid it's this it's weekend it's at Tarapa. Ah, no, no. Oh, he picks like dollar three count. shots in that. Yeah, mate. Yeah. We could all do that. So you want to make, wanna make yeah. three bucks? You want to make 300 bucks? What do you want? <laughs> if in doubt, take the aggressive option. <laughs> well, Ben yeah, helped so sure. um, Ben play cricket. Aggressive, aggressive. Yes, for sure. Hey, quickly before we let you go, uh, Sammy, mate. Um, just, just quickly, um, just, just hit, to, heading towards next season and and the last couple of tests probably didn't go go your way. Um, what do you think? Needs to be. What do you think needs to be done with, with the lads and the ABs? Just um, heading to next year. What are the improvements you're hoping to to see heading towards next season that you think the boys could probably just do a little bit better um, heading towards their play? You know, the Islands, the Frances, and the teams like that. Yeah. Um, look, as you know, after um, a loss, it's, it's easy to sort of try and analyse everything and, and think there's, there's major things to fix, but it's often only a, a few small tweaks. Um, some of some of our basic skill set stuff um, wasn't quite um, up to standard, or there's certainly areas to improve. You know, like if, if one yeah. of us all makes one error a game, that's still 15 errors. You know, we've got to you try and minimise that as much as we can. Um, we talked about a little bit of, of game management stuff. Um, which is predominantly for you know our drivers nine tens and fifteens, but uh, I think we also will look to make a few a few small tweaks to our attack structure, and just yeah. finding ways to to get go forward because we're we're still really really dangerous when we get two or three quick rucks and get the defence on the back yeah. foot, but um, you know when we get now behind the game line two or three times in a row we just become like everyone else and have to resort to um, kicking to get us out. Which um, you know you want to be kicking on our terms and putting them under pressure. So mm. um, yeah, it's important that we don't that is, um, you know think the wheels have all fallen off. We just got to make some small tweaks. I think and um, you know, yep. Fozzie's Fozzie's really good at sort of taking the emotion out of things and prioritising what's important. So full confidence in that. Nice brother. Nice. Well, we love having you signed up till 2025, brother. I'm looking forward to seeing you ripping in and snapping some players in half next week, uh, next year. 
You're an absolute animal out there. So I hate playing semi for bloody bulldozer. Anyway, uh, great to see you signed up, brother. And uh, enjoy your break with Harriet and the family. And, um, yeah, congratulations again for signing with New Zealand Rugby for 2025. We'll get you back on next year, brother. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Ace. Good, good to chat. You guys have a good summer too.